You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coaches, and welcome to episode 39 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. We are going to talk about something so important to coaches, and that is how to conduct a needs assessment. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about virtual coaching. And then last week, uh, the wonderful Crystal Cherisani of the Sparkly Notebook actually sat down with me to talk about um, curriculum and how you work together with a team to create curriculum. This week, we're changing gears a little bit because we're thinking about what direction do your teachers want your support to go? What needs does your campus have? What kinds of professional learning do they need? Um, that's kind of the direction that we want to start thinking in because as the year goes on, you want to support teachers in ways that are going to be impactful over the long time, um, over the long term. And coaching can be so impactful because you can have a hand in the direction that your school is going. You can provide insight to your administration about what teachers need and what they'd like to learn about. And you can create the professional development and the PLCs that will help teachers learn what they need and what they want to learn about in order to grow. So if you're not sure what direction to head in, that can be really stressful, right? Because we're trying to meet the needs of teachers and students through the workshops and the PLCs that we provide. So needs assessments are tools that will help you identify your next steps for professional learning and for professional development. And this episode is going to give you three of my favorite ways to get started. And it's going to tell you what to do with that information. So I'm really excited to share this information with you. And I have a couple of tools that could be helpful as well. My first method of conducting a needs assessment is possibly the most obvious, and that is start with a survey. So with a survey, you can use Google Forms or you can use SurveyMonkey. SurveyMonkey is free up to 100 people and you can get all your results you know, in one place. Um, honestly, Google Forms, I feel like has just as many capabilities. You don't have to sign up for anything and you have access to that no matter how many responses you get. So I personally think Google Forms is a way to go, but SurveyMonkey is also available and basically you want to ask teachers where they feel like they're doing well and where they feel like they need support or learning. And if you get enough people asking for the same kinds of support, you can turn that into a professional development topic. So for example, if most of your teachers say they're struggling with guided reading, then there you go. Start from the beginning with guided reading. If most teachers say they don't know how to build number sense and you can see that that's an important missing piece, there you go structured trainings around the topic of number sense. Basically, you're getting feedback from teachers asking them how things are going, what they feel really strong in, and what they feel maybe not as strong in. So some of the questions that you can include on this survey uh, could be like big ideas that you've asked teachers to implement in their classrooms or big um, structural components of learning. For example, if you are working on balanced literacy with your school and you want to know about how that's being implemented, you can put that on your survey. If you have been working on SEL, social emotional learning with your teachers, and you want to know how they feel about how that's being implemented, you can put that on your survey. Include all the content areas that you're responsible for. Um, so if you coach reading, writing, if you coach math and science, if you coach everything, if you coach social studies, stick it all on there. Um, and include any initiatives that you follow up on. So for example, one of the things that I was responsible for as a coach on a campus 
was collecting guided reading binders. And every, about once every, every couple of months, I'd collect guided reading binders and I would provide feedback to teachers about this. Because I was responsible for that initiative, I needed to know if it was being supportive of teachers and if that was something that we needed to continue to do or what adjustments they wanted to see to that specific approach. So then I would include that on my survey and just ask, you know, um, what do you think about guided reading binders? Do you like the frequency? Are the comments helpful? What else could we do to make that more meaningful? And teachers could kind of in an open-ended way respond to that area. You can also include any areas that you have noticed teachers feeling frustrated with. So for example, if you know that teachers are possibly lacking in materials and you've seen that be an issue, you can include a question or a series of questions on your survey about the specific materials that teachers would like to add to their toolboxes, uh, what they have already, if they have complete sets of things, if they are missing sets of things, if they need updates, um, if they have enough digital tools, if they need more actual hands-on manipulatives, you can include like a checklist and then leave something open-ended so teachers could put in suggestions about where some of that funding may go if you do happen to have the funding. You can get teacher input and that way you know you're spending on things that teachers actually want and will be able to use in their classrooms. You can also leave some open-ended questions about what teachers are feeling frustrated in or feeling overwhelmed with. And that kind of gives you just the opportunity to hear them out a little bit. Um, complaints are a really great way to get into classrooms. So it might not seem great whenever you hear a lot of complaints from teachers, but whenever you hear complaints, then that tells you exactly what teachers need help with and what you can do to get in the door is to provide support in those specific areas. So in that way, you having those complaints or those struggles or those challenges is really important for you to know about those as a coach. So that's my first method is actually conducting a survey um, that teachers can fill out and provide to you. That one's pretty upfront and that fills in the what teachers want piece. But sometimes individual teachers cannot see things that are happening across the campus. For example, if you were to ask me as a classroom teacher if we needed more training on Reader's Workshop, I would have told you no. I had had training at the yin yang and I was very comfortable with it. But whenever you ask teachers, who, the other teachers on my campus, they might have said yes because they were not as comfortable with that approach and they wanted to know more about, um, about certain practices or maybe they struggled with applying, you know, how to actually teach the standards using those actual engaging materials rather than workbooks. So without asking teachers, we really never know what's going on in those classrooms and in those teachers' minds as they're teaching and preparing to teach. So that's the survey portion. The second portion will help you get an idea of how things are actually looking in the classroom. And I call this the classroom sweep. And you can actually download um, on the blog, the, in the show notes, you can download a free classroom sweep document that you can use whenever you go visit classrooms like I'm going to recommend to you right now. And that's going to be at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 39. You're just going to go to episode 39, buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 39, and that's the number 39. And you're going to be able to download your needs assessment guide, and you can use that whenever you do your actual classroom sweep that I'm going to explain to you how to do that right now. So a classroom sweep is whenever you create or you can use the document I've provided that helps you identify the important areas that your school is working on, and you, I, the one that I have to share with you is specifically for Reader's Workshop. 
Then you visit all the classrooms with this form and you record observations and notes about what's going on. And I recommend you do this by grade level. Like maybe one day you visit kinder and first grade and the next day you visit second and third and the next day you do fourth and fifth, along the, something along those lines, depending on what your grade levels are. Basically, you're trying to get a picture of everything that's going on in your school, and you know you're only going to get a small snippet, and of course, this is not evaluative at all. This is just so you can kind of see what's going on, what it seems like is in place, and maybe what some needs are. And you'd be surprised what you can tell from visiting every classroom for maybe 10 minutes. You can actually get a lot more information from that than you might think. It uh, doesn't tell you what's going on all day long, of course, but it will certainly tell you what was going on in those 10 minutes. And if you can extrapolate some of that data and kind of use that to, to figure out, okay, maybe these are some patterns that I'm seeing, that can be really very helpful. So you record your notes in the classroom and then you lay your notes all across the table. So if I have visited all of my kindergarten classrooms, I have one form for each kindergarten classroom. I lay my kinder notes out across the table and I look for patterns across. I might be looking for things like lesson design or classroom setup. Are there patterns in classroom management? Are there patterns in the way that teachers communicate with students, in questioning, in different uses of instructional strategies? Am I seeing a lot of workbooks? Am I seeing a lot of authentic literature? Am I noticing accurate content knowledge being shared with students or are there misconceptions? Am I seeing informal assessments being used with students or am I seeing the teacher delivering lots of instruction and students never really having the opportunity to process and try things out? Am I noticing issues with pacing? Am I noticing issues with transitions, which is a common issue? Um, you look for these patterns across all of your notes and you can put all the information together from each grade level to create a picture of your school and figure out how to move forward. You ideally, you combine all these three methods that I'm recommending to create a really solid picture of your school because no one method is going to tell you everything. The teacher's input is absolutely going to tell you what the teachers want, which is so important. The classroom sweep is going to tell you your perception of what is going on in classrooms, which is also important because you're responsible for part of that learning. And my third recommendation is the data review. Data review will show you how the teaching is resulting in students' ability to respond on paper, whether that is an assessment or a project. You can use different kinds of tools for your data that you're reviewing, but it's gonna show you what student output looks like in terms of the specific things that you are looking for when you're visiting classrooms. So my third method is data review. So this is what you do. You review assessment data, and again, that could be um, an actual, more of a, a creative assessment. It doesn't have to be a multiple choice. Multiple choice is obviously easier to review. Because if you're using a more project-based assessment, then you have to have a really solid rubric and you have to make sure everybody is using that rubric accurately. Or if you are, let's say, using writing responses as a, as a, as a source of data. I've done this before and that's, it's great to do that. You need to have a solid rubric and everybody needs to be using that rubric in the same way so you can accurately look over writing and kind of get patterns from that tool that you're, you're using. If you're using multiple choice, it's a lot easier, obviously, but it doesn't really show you everything kids can do. It will just show you how they respond to questions. So all, all different kinds of, of assessments have their limitations, but no matter what assessment that you're using, you want to make sure that you are using it for the purpose of setting a path. 
This is not punitive for teachers. This is not to um, come down on anybody and tell them that they're not doing their jobs. The point is that we are trying to figure out where are we moving next. This is an element of the needs assessment. So this is how it works. You look at a specific assessment and you collect that data, whether it is through a rubric or actual you know, right and wrong percentages, and you notice the strengths and think about what's in place that's already supporting those areas. So some things are going to be going really well and you're going to say, okay, that means that we have something going on that is supporting this. Let's think about our classroom sweep data. Let's think about our survey data. What do we have that can kind of correspond with this data to show us why this is going really well? Well, kids are really doing well at making character answering character analysis questions here. Um, what are we doing really well to support that? Well, are we teaching it really well? Are we having kids read lots of different kinds of books? Did we do a really cool character project that helped kids develop their language and talking about characters? What's going on that's supporting those strengths? Because you want to continue to do those things. Then you want to look at the weaknesses and think about what are they the result of? Is that weakness coming from a lack of content knowledge from the classroom teacher? Because sometimes that's the case. Uh, teachers don't have the content knowledge that they need to respond to certain situations or to prepare kids for certain things, and we have to help them learn the things that they need to learn. Is it coming from poor alignment? Maybe there's a gap in your curric curriculum between one grade to the next, and so whenever kids move up from one grade to the next, they kind of miss that little piece, and they never really get it back. Is it coming from not teaching standards to a certain level, which is very common. Like, let's say, let's talk about that character analysis standard. If um, it says something about analyzing relationships and character change, but the teacher is really just teaching how to analyze a character for their traits and not discussing relationships and character changes, then we're not really teaching that standard to the full level and the extent of that standard. So kids have not been prepared to respond to any kind of question about it necessarily. So we want to make sure that our our schools, our teachers are very well versed in standards, in content knowledge, and in the strategies that are going to support student learning. And this can be a way to figure out where those gaps could be. So for example, one of the Texas standards in third grade was about using text features to gather information. So teachers frequently taught about text features with informational text, right? Students would spend lots of time identifying the text features and they'd cut them out of articles. You know, in a classroom sweep, I had seen this. They'd cut the, article, the, the features out of articles and they'd glue them onto a foldable or an anchor chart and they would label them. And then they'd have their own little booklet of text features. And so I could see this going on in the classroom. Um, whenever we got feedback from teachers, they said that they were comfortable in that area. However, when you looked at the data, when it came to actually asking kids to gather information from text features, the kids didn't know how to do it. All they could do was identify the text feature. They didn't really know what they were for. You know, they weren't using them to preview the text and get an idea of the topic. They weren't using them to gather information or facts. So the actual teaching wasn't supporting the standard or the level of complexity that the question was asking. And those questions frequently had really low scores because they were not supporting the level of complexity that we were going to ask kids. We were not preparing them to do that kind of work. We could have done some really cool hands-on stuff with that, totally, but we had to make sure that our lessons were in alignment with the standards. The only way to figure out where the gap is is to visit classrooms and to ask for teacher input, and to look at the data. All those three points kind of are your triangulation points for your needs assessment. So I don't believe you can conduct a really good needs assessment without all of those three components. 
So from there, once you've got all your different kinds of information, and remember, this can also be done with virtual teaching. Just because teachers are, are teaching virtually doesn't mean you can't pop in and make observations about the kind of learning that's going on. Once you have all of those three pieces of information, you can pull them together to notice patterns across all three things and to notice how some information supports others. For example, if you ask a question about uh, certain genres in the teacher feedback, survey and the teachers are not able to respond to them or they respond to them with some misinformation. And then you look at assessment data that shows that students are not really um, familiar with different genres. Maybe they always want to read fiction and the teacher is always reading fiction with them. Well, that might be a, an idea that maybe the teacher needs to build up their background knowledge about different genres. Maybe they need access to different materials that, that include different genres. If you visit classrooms, you can see what's in those classroom libraries. Do they have access to different genres or is everything in their fiction? So you can use these three different points of information to really paint a good picture of what's going on with your school. And I totally recommend that you do because that will help you create a path for learning for your teachers and your faculty. So let's say that you've done your classroom sweep. You've, you've actually completed your survey and gotten your data from teachers. You conducted a data review and you have ideas of areas that your campus could grow in, areas that you can provide support. So now you have to say, well, what am I going to do <laughs> with all this information? Um, you can do a lot of different things. You can create professional developments around those topics, whether those are synchronous or asynchronous. Sometimes creating um, optional professional developments can feel kind of frustrating, but if you keep them short and really focused and purposeful, that's something that teachers can do whenever they're interested in learning something new, and you can kind of create a PD bank that people can go dig into whenever they are trying to figure something out, if it's very practical. Those would be very much how-to kinds of PDs, uh, not so much the um, ideology behind things, because if people are gonna do it on their own time, pretty much it's to help them solve a problem. You can also create short PLCs, and within those PLCs that you're actually working together to create something or, or plan something, you can do a little tiny piece of content knowledge building if you have seen that that is an issue. So that was an issue with, with many of the teachers that I've worked with, is they lack the content knowledge to really teach things at a, at a deep level, or even at, at the level that they were asked to teach them for their grade level. So what I did is I would create these little mini presentations um, all around the specific topic that we were going to plan about for that day. So we're planning something, and I didn't want to take a lot of time from that planning time because that's so important, but I also wanted teachers to be planning with, with best practices in mind and with actual content knowledge in mind. So I'd spend the first 10 minutes building content at the beginning of that PLC. And I actually talk about that in episode seven about collaborative planning, how you can do a little content builder at the very beginning of your, P your PLC. So that way people can actually learn about the stuff that they are going to be um, planning together. So everybody kind of starts on solid ground. The other thing that you can do is conduct a book study. And again, this could be available to everybody or it could be optional. And book studies are a great way to learn about an area that maybe 
uh, teachers are unfamiliar with. For example, if you are a science coach and you've noticed that teachers really struggle with moving from the hands-on to moving into something that's more paper and pencil, you could read a book that will help teachers learn how to do exactly that, transitioning from 3D to 2D. If you are a teacher, a coach who's working specifically on guided reading and you're noticing that your teachers are struggling in that area, you can read a book about guided reading together to help teachers learn the best practices that they need to actually use guided reading as a tool to support student learning. So there are so many different directions that you can go in once you have that information. The biggest thing is do something with it because sometimes we get really caught up in all the th different things that we should do and we, we feel kind of overwhelmed. Choose something, start with it, and um, you'll see the results. You'll see the results because you're tackling an area that is a challenge for teachers. So that's what I've got for you today. It's a short one because um, because that's what I have to say. So, <laughs> so um, I want you to think about these strategies and I definitely want you to go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 39 to get your needs assessment guide, uh, your little um, classroom sweep document for readers workshop. So you can start using that and you can build your needs assessment around it. Happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.